All right. Okay, welcome to the Gig Econ Show. It's Friday night. It's a little past eight, and I wanted to introduce our guests and hosts tonight. Um, first off is uh, is Zane. Why don't you say hi, Zane? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. All right, loud and clear. All right, cool. And Good. Callen. Callen, why don't you introduce yourself? Say hi. Hey, everybody. I'm Callen. All right, and we have a special guest on tonight, and she's going to share some of her stories uh, in, a, in about five minutes. But why don't you say hi, Teresa? Hi, everyone. I'm Teresa Beeman. Thank you, Teresa, and welcome. Um, so tonight we're you. um, you're, you're, you're welcome. Um, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about something that I've personally experienced just today. Um, we were, let me tell you what we were going to talk about. We were going to talk about email marketing and uh, we had an excellent guest on. I've known him about 10 years. He's an email marketing whiz. He's very good at it. He's consistent. He consistently makes money. He actually earns his living doing email marketing and he's not in internet marketing. So he actually does this for um, another another niche. Um, but he couldn't make it tonight because he is sick and uh, he has the flu and it kind of got him down and he's like coughing like crazy. So it wasn't going to be very good for him to be on if he was coughing all the time. So what we're going to do today is talk about dealing with adversity. I'm sure you've all experienced a little bit of adversity in your life. Um, what we want to talk about tonight is dealing with adversity both in your life and in your business because for people like us, our life and our business is just pretty much intertwined. What I want to show you first is a clip from one of my favorite movie franchises, and it's a clip from Rocky. And it's going to play, but uh, I need yeah, to ask the for it. I need to fast forward it to about two minutes and 15 seconds. So hold on. China rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about, it's about how, how hard, hard you can get, get hit and, and keep, keep moving, moving forward. forward. How, how much, much you can take and keep, keep moving forward. forward. That's, That's how winning, winning is done. done. Now, now, if you, you know what you're worth, worth then go out and get what you're worth. worth. But you, you got to be willing to take the hits and not point fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. All right. All right, so that was the that was the best attempt. Uh, we're going to have to see how that works. Um, there might have been an echo. Yeah, there was. There, there might have been an echo. I'm not sure. Yeah, we need to mute people before I show a clip. So um, it would be cool if there was like a fast mute, but I didn't see it. So um, we're learning as we go along here. So um, getting back to the agenda. So so that really actually says a lot, right? I mean, it's not how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and bounce back. In another Rocky movie, 
I don't remember which one because yes, they are all the same. <laughs> um, he Sylvester Stallone says something to the effect of it doesn't matter if you get hit, you know, knocked down seven times, you got to get back up. You know, that eighth time is a charm or whatever, but keep getting back up. And so let me just tell you real quickly what happened today. So the first thing is I woke up to a, a note from Matt, our, our scheduled guest, saying that he wasn't going to be able to make it. Could I please reschedule? Of course, I said yes. He told me he, he told me a few days ago that he was sick, but we thought we both thought he'd snap out of it. He hasn't. So um, that was the first thing, and it's minor, right? I mean, we'll have him on again. He's a great guy. He could be a guest ten times, and you wouldn't get all of his knowledge. Um, but the second thing that hit me at, at about seven o'clock is I got I got a dreaded phone call that we all get from time to time. Hopefully we get it not very often. Um, but I got noticed that my brother-in-law died a few hours ago. This was at like 7 a.m. Um, so that's, that's, that's my wife's brother. And uh, it's been a rough day. So, you know, what do you do when you face adversity? You can, you know, sometimes you just, you just need to step back a little bit and, and, you know, reflect and be with your loved ones and, and help them as best you can. Um, but you bounce back. And, you know, both Zane and Callan said, hey, if you can't make it tonight, we'll take the show. That's fine. And that's great. That's that's a great thing about having partners. The show will go on if you if you have good, reliable partners. And they are. Um, but I wanted to be here. My family's in the living room watching Star Wars. It's a good, you know, mental release, and for a couple hours they'll they'll not have to be thinking about this. Uh, which which Star Wars? Just curious, which one? <laughs> Number six, whatever the title is. All Number right. six, okay. which was the third one chronological. Well, the third one as released in the studios. I think it's uh, so there was a new whole. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've watched them all a million times, but I don't know the titles. Um, it's. Uh, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, one of those two. I don't know. Anyway, um, so I wanted to get that out of the way, and and you know, stuff happens, life happens, and uh, you you deal with it. So I wanted to introduce now uh, Teresa. She and I have known each other a couple of years a couple of years now, right? Maybe maybe three years At on Facebook. Years. Yeah, and uh, I've watched her her story unfold and I'm not going to give it away. I'm just going to let her take it away, but I've seen her story unfold and she's had a number of what most people would consider our, you know, setbacks and she's persevered. And so why don't you give us kind of your, your story the last, it's been about what a year maybe of, of just trials and tribulations or has it been longer? Well, Part of it has been going on for the last nine years. Uh, if you deal with family creating problems, um, at, at that point, my yeah. mother created a, a brouhaha that almost cost me my life, and then she sued me. So that was <laughs> that was not fun. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I literally when I said almost cost me my life, I ended up in the ER on October thirtieth, two thousand eleven, with a perforated ulcer, and the doc told me that I was uh, less than two hours away from dying when I walked through the door. And he told me that that literally, if my mother had caused me that much 
stress that she mm-hmm. had almost cost me my life. So I got over that and then she sued me and she lost that too. But uh, I haven't seen her or talked to her in nine years. And it's kind of rough. Elderly, oldest child, the rest of the family is gone. But um, I decided that um, I'm going to keep going on. I've been uh, entrepreneur, self-employed, whatever word that you like to use, for about 20 years, over 20 years. And um, so I got, after I got back up and moving again and writing and doing my websites and things, I started having a couple of health issues um, and nothing like uh, your friend is going through. My, I have arthritis, so uh, I noticed that I couldn't move my arm and they told me that, um, or the, doctor, the doctors told me that I had uh, a torn rotator cuff and I would have to have surgery and it would take a year to heal. And so that was in, uh, started out in January of 2019 and I dealt with an arm that was glued to my side till August of 2019 and, and I switched doctors and one of my doctors that I trust who has he's replaced a knee he's replaced two hips and pretty soon I'll be bionic um I told him which doctor I was going to go to and he said he will take good care of you he is my mother's doctor and so bingo you know there it is but um they, they did the rotator cuff repair and the doctor said that it was far worse than they had expected. And every doctor I've talked to since then for any reason, the first word out of their mouth is brutal. It's a brutal surgery. It's a brutal recovery. Well, I'm right-handed. It was my right shoulder. So I spent a lot of time in the bed reading my Kindle, making friends with my Kindle. So there was, there was no work at my desk. There was no typing there was no writing and that went on for months and in the meantime the other hip was just getting worse and worse and i've always been of the of the frame of mind that i won't do a joint uh, surgery in cold weather because i think it you know maybe superstitious it's going to be worse or something but it reached the point i couldn't walk so we did the surgery on january 31st and the hip is much better and within about two or three weeks after that, while I'm recuperating, they shut down all the elective surgeries. And had I not gone ahead and done it, then um, I would be, and I would have suffered through a lot more pain, probably another five, six months worth. So all of that just sort of, um, it cuts into what you're trying to do, you know? It's, Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. So you have to figure out how you get past it. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get up again. And um, so, so, Teresa, let me let me ask change. you there. What is, they have to. What What is your uh, primary focus? Is it writing? Is it uh, product creation? What 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 is it? And and how did all of those surgeries and downtime affect that? No. I had a lot of time to think about which direction I wanted to go. I, I'm really bad to get a dozen ideas going and want to do all of them. But the thing that I want to do is help people who have been so severely impacted by what's going on now um, that they've lost jobs or they don't want back the jobs that they were doing. 
and they don't know which way to turn. So I've got a little program that I'm calling uh, Concept Catalog. You know, you get the idea and then you figure out a way to make money at it. Um, I love the name, by the way. I love that oh, name. Oh, great. Good. Because the second part of, you know, you, first of all, you've got concept cash flow, and then you get concept to profits. Because you got to get your cash flowing before we can ever think about profits. At least that's my take on it. And so basically, you're going to be looking at everybody trying to do a side hustle of some kind. Some of these people are never going to be able to go back to work. Now, I didn't know all of that when I was laying in the bed with the show. I couldn't move it. Um, it was one of the situations where don't talk to me, don't look at me, and heaven help you if you touch me. So my brain had a lot of time to go through these ideas. What would somebody do if they had to come up with an idea about how to make money when they've never done it before? I can do it. I've done it for 20 years, and I'll be back in business well i'm already almost back in business but um it's it's rough on these people that don't understand even where to start so you have to figure out what's holding you back and most of the time it's fear almost always it's fear that they won't do it right they won't do it fast enough um you know some, some kind of fear so that's that's how it's all impacted me yeah, I, I, I think uh, we can all agree with with that fear piece. We, uh, you know, change is hard, right? Most people are very averse to change. And when, you know, it's one thing to make a change yourself. It's a completely different thing when a change is made on you. And for roughly 40 million people, um, the unemployment change happened through no fault of their own. They weren't willing and able participants in that, in that decision. It was just thrust upon them. And I'm not saying anybody else is at fault either. This is not a political conversation, but you know, jobless claims over the last month is, is about 36 million. And there were about 5 million people unemployed before that. So that's 40, you know, that's just call it 40 million people out of about 164 million in the workforce. Do the math. That's about 25%. Do your history at the height or at the, at the, at the depth of, uh, the, the great depression, unemployment was 25%. And that was four years into it. This is four weeks into it. I may be exaggerating the, the number of weeks. It might, let's just say it's eight weeks still. That's the most rapid. That's an interesting data point. That's the most rapid decline in jobs and, and uh, increase in the unemployment rate this country has ever seen. Um, so the point being, yes, when, when a change is thrust upon you and all of a sudden you're faced with, what do I do? Well, what do you do? And it sounds like Teresa's in the process of helping people crack that nut. We're in the process of helping people crack that nut. And that's why we bring guests on like Teresa and Matt and others, because they've cracked the nut. They've been cracking that nut for 10 or 20 years. They know how to do it. 
and they know how to show people how to do it. So keep going. <laughs> this is great. It's it's frightening to people when their lives, like you said, they're, they're changed for them. And so now they're going to have to learn new things. I, I thought about what I heard someone say about, oh, I was lazy and didn't want to cook, so we just went out. We ordered a pizza. Well, that's not going to be possible for people, a lot of people anymore. And so they've got to be, first of all, they've got to be willing to make a change. They can't be so rigid that they will break. They've got to be flexible. And if, if you can find the flexibility in your thought processes, then you have a lot more options open to you. You may not know there, but they are there and you'll find them. Agree. Agree. Hey, um, Teresa, we're having a little bit of sound trouble with your mic. Would it be possible for you to, um, I don't know if it's restarting your browser or restarting your machine or what, but try to restart because I think that was my problem in the beginning. I had too much open throughout the day and it, you know. Okay. Operating okay, system are you guys, are, are well, horrible at releasing memory. So um, while, while we're while we're on this, uh, are you getting any weird feedback from my microphone or anything? No, you sound perfectly fine. Okay, okay, just just want to make sure. Yeah. So Teresa, if you want to just do that real quick, we'll just take over um, and then okay. come back and we'll just resume. Cool. Okay. Sure. No problem. All right. Okay, so Teresa brings up some really good points, right? I mean, you know, change is thrust upon you. What do you do? Um, maybe you think you don't have any skills. Um, maybe you think, uh, I mean, I, I know we all get into this from time to time. You, 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 you're so shocked that, you know, maybe you've been at a job for 10 or 15 or 20 years or more. And you're shocked that now I, I I can't do anything. Like I can't even leave my house for all intents and purposes. Um, what do I do? How do I make ends meet? Now, fortunately, a lot of people were eligible for unemployment. Um, and, and the government did a good thing, at least in theory. I don't know about in practice, but at least in theory, they did a good thing by giving um, an extra weekly... Uh, uh, increase in income of $600 per week for nearly everybody who was qualified for unemployment. So in many cases, and I'm not saying in all, probably around half though, um, in about half the cases, at least from what I've read, people on unemployment right now are making, are earning as much as or more than they were in their job. So that gives them a little bit of time to figure things out. But I think there's a window of opportunity here where you're stuck at home, you're able to pay your bills because you're on un unemployment, but there's a possibility that your job will never come back. I've read um, that economists believe that up to 40% of jobs that existed before the pandemic 
will not exist after the pandemic. Think about that. 40%. That means four out of 10 people you know, and there's a chance it's you, four out of 10 people you know won't get their job back. So now is the time to seize the opportunity of what can I do to do something for myself if I don't get my job back? How can I, how can I um, make up that income loss? Because unemployment will run out. That day will come. I don't know when that day will come, but it's going to come sooner rather than later. I anticipate you need or you're going to have a month or two more of the unemployment and then it's then it's going to be gone. Um, if anybody knows different, please correct me if I'm wrong because I don't I'm not trying to scare people. But there is a finite time that that $600 a week, that extra $600 a week is going to come and it's got it's 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 going to end at some point. And when it does, it you know, it's kind of it's going to kind of be too late to start something. You need to start now. And like we've talked about on the website, on our YouTube channel, on this show, you know, we're all about starting where you are. You're here right now. This is where you start. Don't start tomorrow. Start today. Use what you have. You have skills. You have experience. You have a lot more gifts at your um, disposal than you think. You need to do an exercise and it's an internal exercise that helps you figure out what assets you have. And I don't mean assets specifically or necessarily just in terms of, of monetary stuff. Like, yeah, you may have a car, you may have a house, you may have a boat, whatever. I'm talking about the assets you have internally inside you, inside your head, your experiences. Nobody else has your life experience. Nobody. Um, People may have expertise, people may have more information and more knowledge and more experience, but they don't have yours and you can use that to your advantage. So start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. And when you, when you combine those three things, you're going to identify some gaps. Like maybe I don't have this skill or I don't have this experience or I don't have this tool, this piece of technology. Well, you need to address that. But as Teresa said, you need to start generating some cash flow before you think about profits. So generate some cash flow. Take some of them, take some of the profits or the excess money that you have, you know, revenue over costs and plow that back into fill those gaps. Does that make sense? All right. So I believe Teresa is back. If you want to just keep keep going, because I think we're onto something, and I, I'm I'm digging this conversation. So, yeah. I, so she's she should be here. Um, I can. I'm clicking on her, but it, she's coming on in a minute. Okay, Teresa. All right. Is that better? Yeah, I can hear you. Can everybody else hear her? Okay. Claire Isabel. Okay, great. All right, we're we're out of the bubble then. Yeah. Um, I I learned a positive mindset from from my grandmother, and it's just always you know you don't you don't quit. You just find a way to 
to get around the problem. Her, her thing was, you know, if, if, the, if you can't go through the mountain, you go around it. If you can't go around it, you go over it and you do whatever you can to make things work. Not everybody's going to have the same idea and there's going to be plenty of people tell you, you don't know what you're talking about, but I've seen a lot of people who thought they had the great idea and uh, their ideas weren't so great and you don't hear about them anymore. And I don't know where they are or what they're doing, but I'm still here plugging away and I'm still letting people know that I'm here. And I went, I went from a six figure plus income all the way down pretty much close to zero when all that stuff started in my life nine years ago. And you know, that's what a lot of people are going to have to do now. They're going to have to start from the beginning. They'll be able to pick up some of the stuff that they had, but they're going to have to learn to use whatever talents or skills or uh, bright ideas that they come up with in order to get them through this situation. And if this is not adversity, I don't know what it is. Um, I hear people talking about what am I going to do? I don't have a job. I can't feed my kids. If I were to sit and watch it on TV all day, I wouldn't be able to stand it. I do hear bits and pieces and I just keep thinking, I think I could help that person. I, I think I could teach that person to take their ideas, take that concept that they've got and turn it into some cash flow because that's that's the one thing you've got to do. Like, like you said a minute ago, Bill, you, you've got to get that cash flowing before you can ever think about profits. But you've got, you know, we go back to who Maslow's hierarchy. You've got to have a roof over your head. You've got to have food on the table and clothes. Well, those are basic needs, basic necessities. And there won't be any room for profits right that minute. But if you can meet your basics, then you can breathe a little more easily. You can sleep better at night and you can think more clearly. There's a lot of people not thinking clearly right now and they're scared to death and I don't blame them. Um, yeah. I've had times when I was scared to death. It's not fun. Right. Right. So, so what, what can you do or what do you offer in terms of, um, you know, do people come to you? How do they reach you? Um, do you work with them one-on-one -on -one, group coaching? How does that work? Well, I'm in the process of developing the program for the concept to cash flow, and I will. I'm going to offer it as a uh, a a group thing, but it also can be individuals that you know, maybe need extra help. You uh, get into the program, and I'm not one of these people that's going to, you know, here we are with everybody having money problems, but and, and I've got the solution, but it's going to cost you a fortune. I don't operate that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> How are you going to do that? Um, and so step-by-step -step guides do this. Take this idea. Where can you go with it? And, and stretch it out just as many 
ways as you can do. When I was working as a paralegal and doing legal research, we called it cartwheeling. You've got your main idea in the middle and you've got all these things that just keep rolling out from it. And pretty soon you've got a plan. And once you've got a plan in place, then you start implementing that plan and say, okay, today I will do this. So people don't realize they could make a lot of money with a blog if they had any idea how to monetize it. Most people don't know how. Um, a lot of people actually have some technical skills that they could turn into something, simple things like installing someone else's uh, WordPress site. I, if, if, if I can pick up a, a domain name, you know, that, that is available. I can buy that domain name. I can install it on my server and have a WordPress site running up in, provided it will resolve for me. Now that's a problem with the host, but if I, if the pro, if the site will resolve, I can have you up and running in about 10 or 15 minutes. It isn't that difficult and you could be blogging by the end of the day. So, um, it's say that one more time blogging by the end of the day. That's, sure. that's just, it's a nice little sound bite, you know? Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that sounds like a product name right there. Okie dokie. <laughs> I'll go grab that domain right now. Um, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. You hear it in the name and all of a sudden it's a domain and you follow your own strategy. And I've got my, yeah, because let me tell you, I have got notes here. I, you know, working as a paralegal, I learned, and that's what I did for 20 years before I went into writing. I love writing. I've been writing since I was in third grade and coming up with ideas and the attorneys that I worked with, the first thing out of their mouth was always, we've never had a paralegal like you. <laughs> well, I, I guess it was a gift. Sometimes it's a curse. I think differently from the way a lot of people think. And um, my, my idea is always, how can I get where I need to go with the least amount of trouble? Um, I always operated with very little overhead. And so the money that came in for me was almost purely profit. I like to teach things like that. I think people would like to learn things like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I like these ideas. Uh, I, I think you and I, this is probably why we're friends. We, we think a lot alike. So I, I, I like that. Um, Not only that, you take my, my ribbing real easily, you know, it's just, it just washes right off of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I'm, it's easy for me to make fun of myself and it's easy for me to like take it when somebody else is making fun of me. So it's all good. Truth be told, <laughs> I give you a hard time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my wife sees that and then she does the same. So thank you very oh, much. Okay. <laughs> so Teresa, I have to ask. Um, they said that, you know, they, they've never had a paralegal quite like you. Um, I guess that that brings up the question, um, why were they, why were they having that opinion? I mean, was it that you're, you're doing multiple things in multiple different areas that are not something a paralegal would typically be doing, or, um, is it just the, the way you, you were strategizing within their company? Um, a lot. Well, I worked for large law firms and the paralegals that they had had in the past usually 
were waiting to be told what to do. I was taught in paralegal school, you need to stay one step ahead of the attorneys. So lots of times they would come into my offices and say, I need you to do X. And I would just hand it to them because it had already been done. Um, I've had attorneys ask me when I, I would go to the courthouse, when they told me something they needed, I would come back with it and they'd say, where did you get this? I would say in the courthouse, it's public record. They didn't even know that. <laughs> and uh, what the one of the stories I love to tell, and it's not a long one, I went to work for a, an attorney who did, he did bankruptcy and litigation and um, foreclosures. And he said, okay, the first job I'm going to give you is a guy I've been looking for for about three years. I need him to testify in this case, there was there was foreclosure and bankruptcy both involved in this litigation. It was a complicated case. And he said, here's his name. Here's all I know about him, which wasn't much. Um, he had a contact person that he hadn't been able to reach. So uh, I sat down and started making a list of things that I needed to do in order to try to get in touch with this person. And about... Okay, let's see. He'd been looking for him for three years. About 30 minutes after he gave me the assignment, I just stepped around the corner from my office to his and said, so-and-so is online too for you. And he just sat there and looked at me and he, he says, no, you're kidding, right? And I, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> so I think, I think I, it's because I think differently. I think ahead of whatever it is they're going to need. What are you going to need to get in touch with this person? Well, how are you going to do it? Well, they're saying um, we need X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm already back to A, B, and C type thing. It's just the way I think. And I have taught my sons. My sons are grown, but I've taught them to think that way. Um, I, I love research, which is probably why I enjoy writing. And um, I just, I like helping people and I like being right. Okay. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I like being right. So if I tell you something, I have probably already researched it to the nth degree before I open my mouth because I don't like having to eat my words. <laughs> they don't taste as good the second time around. <laughs> they certainly do not. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, I had this conversation um, with with a friend of mine actually just yesterday, and we had talked about uh, some past employment that we had had. In, in I was very similar in, in my employment, where I always try and stay uh, a step ahead of everything that's happening. I have my mm -hmm. uh, my eyes looking forward into what's happening in the industry, so I can look at trends and try to be ahead of all of those. Um, to the point where where some of the industries I was working in, I, I was ten or twenty years too early for concepts that I was attempting to introduce to people. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just uh, the pain of needing to learn to be patient a little, I guess. Um, but a lot of that led to me working in different parts of the company that weren't in line with my job title. Um, you know, at, at one point I was working on the company website, I was doing repair uh, for, for some electronics and, then having done sales most of my career there, um, I was still doing sales. 
Um, at one point, we had some consultants come into the business and they took a look at me and they had no idea what to do with me because, mm-hmm. because I don't fit the mold, right? I don't fit that, um, that, that lazy employee mold where I'm waiting to find out. And if somebody's not telling me exactly what to do, I'm not doing anything. Um, right. And so I, I'm, you know, I'm being paid as a service technician, which is above what the salespeople would make per hour. But then I was also paid on commission for things that I would sell. And I did both portions of my job at a level many times over uh, the level that the other employees that were dedicated to those things were doing with three and four times the time. You know, my, my repairs were getting done correctly one time in, you know, a quarter of the time. And my sales were happening with higher ticket prices and um, in overall higher monthly sales numbers than uh, their dedicated salespeople only doing it a couple hours a week when I had free time to wander out on the sales floor when they needed help. Um, and it, it finally came down to the fact that um, a lot of corporations don't understand how to use uh, what I like to call as unicorns, right? Mm-hmm. People that that can use their skills and understand how to use them in, in different ways beyond just this cookie cutter, here's your job skill. And uh, consultants don't understand how to use us because we don't fit a mold. And I finally was told, so you can either be paid as a service technician and stay off the sales floor, or you can come sell on the sales floor and you can be paid as a salesperson, but you cannot do both. And from uh, my entrepreneur mindset doesn't make sense to me because I'm making the company so much more money by them utilizing all of my time versus me doing the job they've paid me for and then having downtime when I'm making them more profit than the profit center that is supposed to be running. Um, you know, it, it, it just doesn't, doesn't jive. So I said, well, I said, how about this? How about you pay me to teach your other employees to do what I'm doing and to be able to sell to that level, to be able to repair to that level and be able to up across the board. And we just make a new mold of what your ideal employee looks like. And was basically told, you know, we can't do that. It's going to cost the company way too much to make that happen. And the only thing I could reply with is, I guess you should have been more particular about the people you hired when you hired people for a position. Because it, it, and that's, um, that's a trap that I think a lot of entrepreneurs find themselves in before they start deciding, you know, we can't. We don't want that corporate job anymore. We want to do things for ourselves. We want to be useful and um, achievement oriented, have goals and, and meet and exceed those goals. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic. Well, you have to learn to enlarge your vision. You know, yeah. it, you've got to think not just outside the box, but you've got a vision and it's got to be larger than um than what you've been dealing with. I'll, I'll give you a prime example of, of what happened to me. And, and it's, it's like you're talking only it was, um, I won't say it's in reverse, but when I was working uh, the last few years as a real estate paralegal, I was getting all of this title work. And, and what I did was to go to the courthouse and do all the work that had to be done before people could get a loan to buy a house or refinance a house. That's, that was my job. 
And um, even as a freelancer, that was my job. So it began to bother me that I was getting all this work. And, and that probably sounds really strange, but something wasn't right about it. So I was in uh, one of the county courthouses one afternoon, and it was um, it was quiet in there. People had gone home, must have been a Friday, because there was nobody in there but me. And I had about 15 title exams to do, which is way beyond what's normal. And I thought, okay, something is, is not right here. So let's just think about this. And so I laid out those titles, because I had all this room. There was nobody that you know, that I was encroaching on there. And I began to look at all of them. What did they have in common? I knew they had to have something in common. And the thing that they had in common was that every property had been mortgaged for two to three times its value. The lenders were allowing people to do this. And I got really sick at my stomach and I just scooped up all of my papers and stuck them in my briefcase and went home. And I sat down on the sofa and I'm looking at this stuff that I've got. And my husband walks in the door and he said, I was white as a sheet. And he said, you look like you've seen a ghost. And I said, well, I'll tell you, I can't say when and I can't say how big, but I will tell you right now, this country is headed for a meltdown in real estate and this was the fall of 2007 and that's as you all know 2008 was when everything started falling apart mm -hmm. and i saw it because i was my vision was larger than just do the titles turn them in and get them paid i wanted to know what was going on there so the next day I called my older son and I said, if you've ever listened to your mother, listen to me now, go now while the rates are low and refinance your house because he, I don't know what his rate was, but it five or 6% maybe at that time. And they were able to refinance and get it down to around 3%, <clears throat> excuse me. And he, he later asked me, he said, Mom, how did you know? How did you know this was going to happen? And we laughed because some of the politicians swore up and down. They didn't know. Um, John McCain kept saying he didn't know. And I thought, how could you not know? I knew. Right. I knew it was coming because I had a vision for what was going on. Yep. Yeah. Looking ahead. And I think looking ahead is, is a great way to start spotting what what that gig is going to be for you when you try to step mm -hmm. out of your job you know you have you have a propensity already if you're looking forward to spot where the changes are coming and you have the ability to move and pivot much faster than a company that has a lot of policies and procedures and employees that they have to shift and work mm -hmm. um, and you can pretty easily lay the groundwork for uh, jumping into that gig and just getting started and just obliterating uh, the competition in that respect. Mm -hmm. you're, you're already doing things that are, you know, at least a couple months ahead, if not years ahead of what your competitors are doing. And then they have to play catch up. So you have that whole, whole time they're playing catch up to see where the next thing is and already be pivoted and heading there. Um, mm -hmm. it, 
it's the greatest thing in the world to have all of your competitors chasing you as opposed to you trying to chase the business. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a couple of things I heard um, from, from both Kellen and Teresa. The biggest one was initiative and there, there is a change or there has to be a change in mindset from employee to when you have your own gigs and hustles, you're the employer. So there has to be a change from, you know, that employee to, um, you know, employer or, or entrepreneur is a, is a better way of saying it. And I, I, I believe that people can do really well at a job as long as they know that they're, um, they are an asset, right? And your employer, if, if he or she is doing right, is earning a profit off of your labor. And that's okay. That's the deal you make, right? When you, when you work for somebody else, the deal you make is I'm going to get a steady income and you're going to get a profit from my work. And if you don't have a job, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You can just be entrepreneurial and take the initiative and uh, do something about it. And we talk a lot about here, you know, kind of our tagline is turning hobbies into hustles. And the idea really is, you know, if you, if you, if you do something you love and you can get paid for it, that's great because most people, when they go to a job, don't love it. So the first thing about living life, you know, and, and uh, I, it was reiterated to me again today, you never know what's, when it's going to end. So you might as well like what you're doing when you're doing it. And um, if you can love your job and you're happy with making your, your employer a profit, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's prudent, I think, to have a secondary source of income or even a tertiary source of income such that when, you know, the shit hits the fan, like right now, you have something else to fall back on. And it may not, you know, we all, I shouldn't say we all, we tend to spend what we earn. Maybe we save a little, but we tend to spend close to what we earn. So if your earnings go way down, guess what? Your spending's going to have to go way down and you're going to have to change your lifestyle. Um, a lot of people who don't make a lot of money don't have a lot to cut when they lose their income. So if you have a second income, you know, in many cases you can, you can derive a, a second income that that's close to or surpasses your job income, you know? Um, so it's a good idea to, it, it's, it's, it's insurance. Um, you, you, I don't think anybody foresaw like at this particular time, a pandemic, you know, we all knew stuff was out there. It's happened before. It's going to happen again. We didn't know it was going to happen in January or whenever. Um, but you know, and again, you, you always have to balance things, right? Like you're not going to live forever, but you kind of have to plan as if you are because if you don't plan for that, you know, if you don't plan on living to a hundred and you do, how are you going to pay for all your stuff? And by all your stuff, I mean, your, your food, shelter, and clothing. That's, that's kind of what you're going to need and what you're always going to need at any 
given point in your life. You need food, shelter, and clothing, and then the other stuff. Right now, or in the future, when the economy is better and maybe you have your job back or whatever and things are going well, you can um, you know, turn that hobby into a hustle and earn some extra money. And that could be for retirement. It could be for savings. It could be for saving up for a vacation, but don't go on a cruise. It could be for a lot of things, right? But right now, you need that income to make up for what you lost. So it's 850 I want to thank Teresa very much for being here. I, I I love that you just took the initiative again and showed up and, and gave us a lot of really, really solid information. We look forward to your program when it's when it's out. Um, I'd love to, to 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 help you, work with you, whatever. Um, we'll talk about oh, that. that. Um, I think you have a lot going. I think you have a lot to offer people. And uh I, I we really appreciate you being here so thank you well thank you for having me on it was you know like i told people it was live unscripted and definitely unrehearsed yeah, it <laughs> was just, unrehearsed. I, yeah and you can tell by all the stuff in the background i didn't really even have time to put some other kind of a background this is my office you're seeing behind me here um yep. this this is the way i work so yep. but i'm i'm i was happy to do it for you and I'm sorry that your your friend is ill, and I hope he gets well soon. And uh, anything that I can do to to help you guys out, I'm here for you. Awesome, awesome. All right. Um. So please, you know, if you haven't already, join our Facebook group. You're there already. You're watching this live stream. Join the group. We really don't ask a lot of you. We're not going to ask for. Uh, we ask you three simple questions. You don't even have to answer them. Um. But we welcome. We we'd love to have you here. Um, and you know, check out our YouTube channel. It's, it's in the group as well and check out our website. We'd love to have you, you know, taking a look around there too. Um, as always next Friday and every Friday after that, 8 PM Pacific time. I know that's late for a lot of people. Um, but the show's always going to be there, um, you know, recorded. So the, the cool thing about the tool we're using, which is be live, they record as you know, I don't even have to think of it, you know, like back back in the day when you use GoToWebinar, um, you always had to remember to hit the record button and nine times out of 10, the damn thing didn't work. So um, I'm sure it's better now. I'm not disparaging them, but BeLive is great because as soon as this thing is over, as soon as we end it, the video is there and you could download it. You could do whatever you want, chop it up. Um, so that's a that's a nice little plug for BeLive. Um, and uh, Callan, Zane, you have anything to add in closing? Yeah, uh, I think if if you got anything out of watching this particular episode or any other episode that you've seen us do so far, please share it out there so we can get more people in here and get this information in the hands of people that can actually use it and need to hear it. Uh, people that need to understand that that reinforcement is there to be able to work in this way. Um, you know, a lot of people are looking for it and have been told it's just not something that people do and they need to know it's available. And now is the best time for them to do it. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, this opportunity, what we're calling it, which was forced upon you is probably the best opportunity you're going to have in the next 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, it, it, especially absolutely. here in the United States. When yes. are you ever going to get a situation where the government is paying 
a lot of people more than they're working at their day job to sit at home and figure out how to build their side hustle and build an income off of that in a way that insulates them from incidents like this happening again. Right. It's right. never going to happen again. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's cool. You got to take your leisure time, spend time with your family, all that good stuff. That's all super, super important. Cause again, you know, life isn't guaranteed and there, there may, you know, tomorrow isn't guaranteed, but while you're at home and you have a bunch of idle time, you know, assess what, you know, you know, start with where you are. What do you have? What do you know? What can you bring to the table? What hobbies are you doing now? You know, can you, can you, do you think you can earn an income off that? And if you don't, you know, if you have questions, hit us up in the group, you can post in the group and we will reply. Um, so I think that's it guys. Anything else? No, I, I think, I think that sums up uh, what we wanted to achieve tonight. All right. Go ahead, Zane. We can't hear you, man. Okay. Go, Zane. You're muted, man. Microphone dead again. Okay. okay. All right. Now we're back. There we go. There now I'm live. Okay. Don't change anything, computer. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know um, my video cut out for a second, but I also realized that earlier I thought my mic was muted. Yeah, you don't have a good connection, man. I'm going to turn you off. Um, sorry about that, guys. Um, anyway, we've got five minutes left um, before nine o'clock. I think uh, I think we're good. Um, sorry about the the technical issue, Zane. Um, but we'll catch you back up on the next one. All right. Um, we're going to close now. Thanks a lot. See you next Friday. Bye. Bye bye.